0: Hey, AMW, I'm Melissa, and I'm Stephanie Carcace, and we are two sisters and your hosts of Millennial Women Talk, the podcast, the number one place for millennial women looking to elevate their lives, mind, body, and soul. And we are so grateful that you're sharing your time with us today.
1: Maria Sosa is a therapist, mind, body, health, educator, a writer, relationship expert, health coach, and the host of mind meets body podcast. She's one of our favorite people on Instagram to follow because she provides so much value
0: for our mind, body, and soul. Maria is known for redefining the definition of health by providing content that focuses on intuition, self-determination, and holistic practices. We are so excited to have her on our show today.
1: Okay, so we, like I was telling you before we jumped on live, but we love the work that you do. And although Instagram content is not a replacement for therapy, you do put out extremely valuable information that honestly has helped the both of us tremendously. So we really appreciate it. And we would love to know what made you want to help people in the mental health space.
2: Yeah, so thank you for saying that, that it is not therapy. I think a lot of people think that they can just get their daily therapy fixed from Instagram. And it's just a little blip of such a big, complex concept of mental health. And I talk a lot about holistic health. So there's so many components that go into that. And I couldn't possibly explain or get down to anybody's specific problems from one instagram post right so that's one of the things that i find as well that people will make comments well this doesn't apply to me or for my instance it's not what it was and i said yeah it's not supposed to this is a very generalized idea and the expectation is that you're going to take that information if it works for you and leave it if if it doesn't Um, or go off and find more information about it on your own. So thank you for for saying that. In terms of what brought me to Instagram, uh, I think I just wanted to start sharing information in a way that was digestible. I think when it comes to mental health, there can be a lot of jargon and a lot of vocabulary that people aren't really aware or understanding of what it means. And so I thought, well, if I just create it in a way that's useful. I use a lot of infographics, and I think that that's really helpful for people to kind of understand the concepts. And it's created in a way that it's bite-sized. So you're able to take a bite out of this, understand it, and then kind of find more information on your own. So I just wanted to create more content that was easy to digest.
0: That is so awesome. And honestly, you're doing such a phenomenal job. And what I love the most, I mean, obviously, the feed is just... A bunch of goodness right <laughs> it's like i could literally spend hours on your feed and you cover so many different topics um that have that are just so valuable so one of the most requested topics that we usually get is relationships so i really want to talk to you about relationships because you always give so much great advice just on this subject so a lot of our listeners right now um are single, but they still want to be in a relationship. And so many people don't understand that this period can feel really painful and very lonely, especially for women that are over the age of 25, when they're seeing, you know, their friends um, and peers getting married and having children. How do you help um, your clients deal with the sadness that accumulates from desiring something that is kind of out of our control?
2: Yeah. So very valid and very common. And so I think that something that can be useful is to kind of reframe that time from this time of despair and this time Mm. of loss or grief on to a time of discovery right i I don't think that we really get to understand ourselves and understand what we like or what we don't like or what we even want in a relationship we kind of just find somebody that comes into our life and then we kind of like, okay, well, what do we, is this something that I'm enjoying? Is it something that I'm not? But we really take the time to sit with that and kind of get down to these core values and core belief systems that are so important for when you meet so that you don't really waste your time. I know that, you know, you want to go through the experience of being in the relationship, but there's a lot of things from the beginning or off the bat that are clear red flags or clear indicators that things may not be the best for you going into this relationship. Right. Mm -hmm. So I think that this time can be really useful for getting to know yourself and getting to know what you want in a relationship.
0: I love that. You know, we often hear too, and I definitely have felt like this before, like that I'm not good enough you know kind of feeling or belief just because there's so many of these like insensitive comments that are always thrown around like when are you going to find someone or like <laughs> you're such a catch why aren't you married yet yeah, i hate that one um you know how do you what what is your advice to women in not allowing these comments from driving them deeper into thoughts of low self esteem you know and ultimately low confidence yeah. and i know you do very well in like talking about boundaries so when we hear these comments, like what what is some advice that you can give to just women in regards to this?
2: Yeah, so the first thing is to acknowledge that they are one painful so that they do create this discomfort for us and that we don't have to say, "Oh, it's not a big deal, I'm over it or you know I'm, I'm done with this emotion or whatever it may be. acknowledge the fact that it's uncomfortable and we don't like to hear these kinds of things and so acknowledge that first to kind of think about the social structure of these comments right so they come from our culture they come from our context they come from this idea that as a woman at this age this is what you're supposed to be doing you're supposed to be in a relationship you're supposed to be married you're supposed to be having kids all these expectations and so more than likely the people around you are going to be making these comments because they live in this culture and this is what's reinforced right so kind of understanding that we're just byproducts of the cultures that we have set forth yeah. for women specifically.
1: I know. And then
2: with that, you can understand that also saying, and by the way, I'm not okay with the comments, right? So I understand where you're coming from. I understand that this is common, but this is not okay for me because I feel this, 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 and that. Right? So mm-hmm. I don't want to experience this pressure that you're putting on me. I don't want to be on this timeline that has been created for me. I want to make sure that I create my own timeline, a timeline that works for me. I may not want to have kids. I married, I may not, right? So I allow me the time and the space to make that decision for myself. And those are things that we really have to have clear, open conversations about, especially with our family, because I think that's where we hear it the most. So making sure to say, I know that these are the expectations that you have for me. However, this is what I'm thinking or this is what with my life. And so that is part one. And then part two is if you're not able to kind of keep these conversations or these comments to yourself, then I may, then you have to set a consequence there. I may leave the conversation, or I may Mm -hmm. not continue to engage with you and I may switch the subject, right? So you're kind of saying, this is allowed, this is not allowed. And if this happens, this is the consequence. So kind of the boundary, quote unquote, equation of saying how it makes you feel, why it's it's Mm -hmm. not okay, and then a consequence of the behaviors going forward.
1: Yeah, and I think that's so important, right? Because it's very easy for people to say, oh my gosh, but I'm just kidding. Or it's not that big of a deal. Or like, oh, you'll find someone, right? I have to kind of retract after saying that comment, you know, And it happens a lot in families, right? And I feel like now because of the holidays, it's like even worse. But, you know, it's something interesting too. And there's someone close in my family that's experiencing this, what what I'm about to ask you, right? And so we also have women in our community um, and someone close to me who actually do not want a relationship right now. So what they are feeling is actually to be alone. So they, they feel the need to be alone. But... They don't know what to do with this time, right? So how can they allow this time to focus on them? And what truly should they be focusing on, right?
2: Yeah, yeah. So that's a great thing to be aware of, right? That you don't want to be in a relationship. What a gift to be able to kind of have that because I think that... Even with all the right. cultural components of it, we, we tell ourselves that we don't want to be in a relationship, but there's still a part, a human part of us that wants to be loved. So that's a very human feeling to want to be cared right, right. for. So I think I mean, we can also create space for that, to know that we want to be alone, but that yeah. love is a very human thing. and We want to be loved, we want to be cared for, we want to be in connection to somebody. So I think that those two things can be good to look at And then also experiencing other types of relationships, right? So just because we want to be alone doesn't mean that we have to be lonely. We don't have to kind of sit in a corner by ourselves and journal or, you know, kind of process everything by ourselves. We can be in connection with other people and nourish friendships. We can nourish relationships with coworkers, our family. So kind of understanding that in an intimate relationship doesn't mean lonely in other areas of our life
1: i love that how does that benefit so like so if your focus is on other relationships nurturing them how does that benefit us for when we do find that person that we i would i like to say the one but (laughs) when we find the one like how how does that benefit that or
2: the ones maybe doesn't yeah true (laughs) um yeah i think I think you're just more place because you're not basing everything on this one relationship, right? You're not kind of gaining your sense of identity or your sense of happiness or kind of putting all your things in one basket or all of yourself in in one relationship, right? So you have friendships and you have family relationships. And so kind of, it allows for a balance that allows for different identities, different areas of yourself so that when you do find this relationship, the one or the ones, then it's an added bonus to everything that you already have. You're already engaging Mm -hmm. in very nourishing relationships. And now this is another relationship which is much more intimate and will bring different benefits but it's a it's an add-on it's a bonus it's not your everything
0: i love that you're saying the ones because i do believe that every single relationship has a purpose and a meaning in your life like that person was brought to you for a reason um and when that ends it's very difficult right um And we do get this question a lot. Like, I mean, girls, we love to talk about relationships. So it's like (laughs) always something that we always hear, but like closure and like, like, does everything have to have a meaning or like, what is closure and why do we need it to sort of like, get over the feeling? Do we even need it to get over like those sad feelings? Like, I want to talk a a bit about closure.
2: Yeah. So I think as humans, we are, meaning making machines we want things to have meaning we want things to have a purpose we want to say that this happened Mm -hmm. for a reason and i think that's just human nature right we don't want to be wandering off into the world Mm -hmm. aimlessly things have purpose then we kind of are able to learn Mm -hmm. from things in a certain way so if we've had a relationship that didn't end the way that we wanted but we realize that we got a lot from it that we learned a lot About ourselves, about the kind of people that we want to date or be in a relationship with going forward, then that's a very different place than, well, that meant nothing. And I just wasted, you know, a whole year of my life and nothing came from it. And Mm -hmm. so, kind of having, yeah, so having that thought of, okay, well, what, can I take from this going forward and how is this going to affect my relationships in the future? I think that that's so important and and we need it. We really do because it's the only way that we truly quote unquote get better at relationship is to, to go through them, right? You, nobody teaches you how to be a partner unless you are actually in a partnership and you get to try out these different behaviors and you get to be a caring and compassionate person, or then you get to be this angry person that is very aggressive or verbally abusive, right? You you have to go through all these things to kind of understand what, Mm -hmm. what your relationship style is. And it changes from relationship to relationship because every relationship is a different interaction, right? Mm-hmm. So you are yourself, you bring yourself into the relationship, mm-hmm. but there's also the third component of the relationship between us two. So that's that's a whole nother thing. Um, and when it comes to right. closure, it's such a tough subject because we want it. We want to neatly tie it up with a bow. We want to say, this is it. And I've got it. But relationships are messy. Emotions are messy, we don't really get to put it neatly into a box and say, this is it. And I'm done feeling they can come back. We can kind of feel things again that we hadn't felt for a long time that had been dormant and they show up out of nowhere and then we kind of blame ourselves and think, I thought I was over this. Mm-hmm. I thought I was done feeling or having these things for this this person. And so I think closure is what you make of it. Closure is what you decide is you need at that moment and it may look like learning it may look like growth it may look like deciding that that was a beneficial relationship because you got this out of it but it it doesn't look clean cut it doesn't look this beautifully tied up because it it, it doesn't our hearts don't work that way our emotions don't work that way and to kind of put pressure on ourselves to have that closure i think it's unnecessary however it's really tough when you want to have a quote-unquote closing conversation with the person and they are not able to have that conversation with you or they've ghosted you and now you really feel very uncomfortable about the fact that you can't even Mm -hmm. say what you want to say to this person and, and get that not closure but just
1: yeah it's so important right and it means so differently yeah. for different people right like yes, kind of their expectations yes. with it mm. sometimes
2: it means that we have to write a letter to I love the person that. because we didn't get a chance to actually say it and kind of allow Whatever is flowing in your mind to be written on paper, Mm. you don't have to send it, you can or not, you decide to do with that what you will. But we need a place to kind of process the things that we wanted to say and we didn't get a chance to
1: yeah oh that's so good and you know we're kind of a, you mentioned this a little bit earlier and there's a post that you have on your instagram that we love so you talk about the red and the green flags of relationships but i know there's so many because i remember from the post but what yeah. are your top like green flags and what are your top red flags like maybe yes. i guess three of each yeah yeah
2: okay i have to think about my post but i know exactly the one that you're talking about <laughs> um, and of course again these posts are overly simplified versions of like very complex subjects, right? You know, it's so yeah. sweet to put green and red flags and the, how cute it is to be able to do that. But again, relationships are messy and right. it's a bit more complex than that. Yeah. yeah. But, but I think some really great green flags, because I love talking about the positives is having that honesty from the mm. get go, right? So mm. making sure that honesty and trust are a priority. So is the person that you are talking to, somebody who values honesty. And and because of that honesty that is being built, you have trust for that person. So that's a big green flag for me. Being able to communicate and repair. I, we don't expect relationships to be perfect, but we the way that we are communicating is kind and compassionate. And when there are problems, Then we have to look for ways to repair. So, we want to make sure that we're communicating in a certain way, and that when we're not communicating in the best way, when we're heated, when we're in an argument, we want to make sure that we're looking for ways to repair. And so, being open to repair and being open to making changes and having that accountability that we made a mistake that's a really amazing green flag to have at the beginning of a relationship. yeah. And then having common values and the common belief system. So you don't have to have everything in common with the person that you're with, but there's some pretty big things that definitely need to be in line in relationship to continue forward. So for example, kids, right? So if you're with somebody that wants to have kids and the other person doesn't, then that's kind of one of the things that you have to take into consideration going forward? And do I want to invest in this relationship if ultimately I want to have kids and, and they don't? So how, how do I make this work? Do I stick it out? Is it really that important for me? Do I change my mind about this? So it's really important to kind of have those basic values and belief systems in line. Um, I think that's, Those are my (laughs) three in terms of
0: green flags. Definitely. I feel like in the red flags, like people usually like when you hear something about like, I don't want to have kids. Right. You're like, well, maybe it's just they feel like that right now. And that's like, Mm. you know, you get very optimistic when it comes to red flags. I mean, how much do we give like grace to red flags? And then when is like a red flag, just like a red flag? And I think, you know, especially us right especially women we're so emotional and we're so empathetic naturally um that is kind of difficult when you see a red flag like the children you know you might automatically be like well he doesn't want it right now but you know he'll grow into it after being together like for two years right together like i mean it's interesting because it's like when do you give grace and when do you take things at face value
2: yeah i think that's something that you kind of engage and go. It's definitely a a trial and error. So with the red flags, I always like to think of them as stop signs, right? So not as like a word that means no. It just means Mm. it's a stop sign. It means look at this behavior, look at what's happening, stop
1: and evaluate what
2: it it means to you. And kind of decide whether you wanna keep on going or if you wanna make sure that you stay at that stop sign further. So it's more of a of a pause. It's more of a moment for you to kind I of decide that. what to do going forward.
0: Yes. I love, I that. love that. It's like red yeah. flags are a stop sign. I love it. Look both ways yeah. before you <laughs> cross. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> this is what it Which means. Which goes into like, like... Yeah. And even like when you think about... Because I also saw you were talking about like toxic people are not... So like people are not necessarily toxic. It's their behavior. And that's Mm -hmm. definitely a red flag, right? Like anything that's toxic, Mm -hmm. that's making you feel super yucky. It's like, that's, that's definitely a red flag. Um, and I kind of like this approach that you're saying, it's like, take a step and pause. Like, is this that person or is it their behavior, which it's usually the behavior, whether Mm -hmm. it's learned, can it be unlearned? Like, how can we navigate toxic people. Cause I do yeah. think that that's such a subject now in a lot of our conversations, like this person is so toxic. Like we hear that all the time. So let's mm-hmm. talk a little bit about toxic people and their behaviors.
2: Yeah. So the thing about what you just said is that their behaviors, right? So right. I want to make sure that we acknowledge that we're all human. We all make mistakes and we all have behaviors that are toxic. Right, That's not our, our identity. We are not right. toxic per se. We are engaging right. in ways that are toxic because we've learned to engage in this way, because of how we we're taught, because of our experiences. That's kind of what it might right. So that is how I've always engaged in, in my life. And that's what, what feels right. And behaviors can be changed. That is the great thing about behaviors and about all the things that we do for our healing, for our growth, They're behaviors. And so if we want to change, so that's another big thing. We have to want to change these things. We have to want to see, we have to have a reason for changing. If not, then, you know, it right. makes no purpose whatsoever. And you can't change somebody and you can't say, if you do this for me, then we will continue for relationship because that's only sustainable for a short amount of time so a person Mm -hmm. right may do something for another person but if they're not fully invested if they themselves aren't intrinsically motivated to change it's not going to last it's very much on a time frame it's on the time limit it's not sustainable because we have to want to have that change because we see that it's necessary for our well-being so if we don't have a problem with the way that we're engaging in the world, and we think it's fine, then we're going to continue to do that. Right? So I think that we need to take that person's tendency or or want to change into consideration as well. Do you, do you see anything wrong with your behavior? Do you see that there is a possibility for having a better interaction with your partner and understanding that abusiveness and aggressiveness is not the way to go? Mm-hmm. And they do great. And that's something that we can work on and change. But if they don't, mm-hmm. no matter how much magic we try mm-hmm. to work into it or how many um, therapeutic <laughs> components right. we go through, it's just not, not going to be useful.
1: Yeah, this is not going to get better per se, but um, I want to deviate just a little bit from relationships because it was something that me and Steph, actually you've talked about this in the past and we're like, what does this all mean? But you've spoken about situational depression. What exactly is situational depression?
2: Yeah we're all going through that right
1: now right 2020 has been a year that would be like the title of 2020 (laughs) situational situational depression
2: depression. (laughs) exactly yeah so situational depression is just as the name um, um, suggests situations happen in life things come into our context into our environment that trigger this depression in our bodies that trigger a slowdown in our mindset, trigger this idea of hopelessness and helplessness that puts us into this depression. It's not a clinical depression per se as those individuals who are diagnosed with depression due to um, imbalances or genetic reasons, or, you know, there's so many reasons why people um, have depression, but this is more related to a specific incident so something has happened to trigger this depression as opposed to generalized where it's just nothing's really happening but there's this constant state of hopelessness helplessness i don't feel well i can't get out of bed i don't have any energy and there's no real quote unquote no real reason for it with situational there's definitely an event that happened and Mm. a symptom right afterwards Mm. so that's kind of that's what it goes into. And this year has definitely been that.
1: Yeah. You know, it's so important. What you just said is so valuable and so vital. And I'll tell you why. Because so many women in our generation and people around us, right? They just feel like, oh, if I feel this way, I'm depressed. I should, I, you know, I'm clinically depressed, right? And not to, not to yeah. you know, say that that's not valid. It is. But if only people could realize there's probably so many more situational depressioners (laughs) than you know (laughs) clinically right and i think that that's so useful because i feel like someone listening can say oh my gosh that just clicked to me right so it's definitely clicked to me in terms of my past and saying oh i know why i felt that way during that season in my life or you know i really maybe wasn't you know clinically depressed." you know what i mean and so what you just expressed is so valuable and is going to help so many people and especially especially during this time yeah. Because it's like what you said. I mean, this year is is definitely that and people are going through a lot of grief and sadness right. and all these different things. So thank you so much for sharing that because I think that's so so important. Yeah.
2: I think that it helps to have a name for it as well because sometimes it's right. like well, I don't know what I'm feeling. I can't like put my hand on it and it's just like yes. this overwhelming hopelessness and I don't know what to do with it. And so sometimes it's like, oh okay, so situationally speaking, this happened, and this triggered a depression in my body. That's so much easier than what's wrong with me, or I can't believe I'm feeling this way, and I just can't get out of bed, and my energy, and kind of like that self-blame and shame that we go into when we don't have full force, or we're not 100% ourselves, to have a name to it, but also not to over-identify with it, right? Mm -hmm. So kind of knowing that this is what I'm feeling, but this is not who I am. That's this right. is something that I'm going through. This is not something that I have to hold on to in terms of my identity. Right. It never is with, with depression or anxiety or any diagnosis that we may have. Those are symptoms. Those are things that are happening in our body. It is not who we are. And that so I help it a name, but also not overly identify with it.
0: Right. Oh, so so that is so, so, so good. Okay. I have a lot of questions. So <laughs> I love the fact that you should not... Ident- so actually, our mom always told us that. Like, every time we would be like, oh my God, I'm sad. It's like, I feel sad. It's like changing mm-hmm. kind of even the verbiage so that you don't attach yourself to that. She doesn't even... I remember like... Well, our mom is very old school. Like, the depressed and stuff, she's like, <laughs> no, no, you're having a moment. Like, this is not... you know." But, which is very interesting, you know, when you compare older generations to our generation now. But we're a lot more able to speak about this stuff freely so i want to talk about not identifying it but not denying it right Mm. because i do feel like some people say you know they tell you oh stop saying you're sad stop saying you're sad but it's like i feel sad you know like i am i feel sad right now so it's like how do you not identify but then allow yourself also to process you know by denying so i want to talk because you have so many great nuggets about emotional processing versus emotional bypassing Mm -hmm. so can we kind of get into that because you're so good at explaining this yeah
2: so (laughs) Emotions are an actually physiological response in your body. So if I have been Mm. triggered because I'm angry that anything that that could have happened, right? So my I had a presentation that I was going to be doing this year. And of course, because of COVID, it got canceled, right? And so my emotional reaction to that at first Mm. was... Sadness and anger. And so that sadness and that anger actually has a physiological response in my body. Your body actually feels that it triggers all these chemicals and it elicits that, oh, this is anger in my body or this is sadness in my body, right? We almost think that emotions mm-hmm. are these like fluffy clouds kind of like floating around there's an actual physiological response in the body now feelings that is the psychological component Mm -hmm. of it and that's kind of like how you interpret what's happening in your body so you've got the emotions in the body and you've got the feelings in the mind and so if something is physiologically happening in our body it's it's so important to acknowledge it. It's so important to say, this is happening. This is anger. With the anger, my face is flushed. Mm -hmm. With the anger, my stomach is kind of hurting and all these hormones are rushing there or rushing wherever they may be in the body to kind of deal with this new emotion that is being felt. And then the feelings part of it is kind of saying, okay, this is the anger that I'm feeling and I'm feeling angry because this happened. And that's, it makes sense that I'm feeling this anger. It makes sense that I'm feeling. It. And I guess that looks like disappointment now. Now I'm really disappointed psychologically feeling this disappointment and okay, that's what that is. Right. So, and it's such a, Basic thing to do to give it that space rather than saying, oh, I can't be disappointed or I can't be sad or I can't be angry because I have to be positive all the time or I have to be happy. Or my favorite is I just need to be grateful and be okay with all the things that I have right now.
0: Oh, that's right. That's always a good good one. one. Oh, my God.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. As As if we couldn't be grateful and still feel bad right? Those two things can both coexist. I'm so grateful that I have so much in my life and I'm still really angry and I'm still really upset that things didn't work out the way that I wanted. Both of those things are valid and there's space for both of them. So when we talk about emotional bypassing, it's that first part where we say, or we negate and we invalidate our emotions, we invalidate our feelings, because we think that we need to be in this constant state of positivity and constant state of gratitude, because if not, then we're being right. bad people. If not, we're right. complaining. Right. If we're not, then, you know, we're just... Like, what? Stop. Just stop being this annoying person that isn't satisfied, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And then the emotional processing component of that is making sure that we honor these feelings, making sure that we acknowledge their presence, give them the space to kind of settle in, right? Mm -hmm. So give them time. They're gonna pass, right? They're they're not gonna be here forever. Give it the time. Give it the space to be there. You can sometimes welcome them and say, welcome anxiety. I see that you're here. I see that you have a message for me. Maybe this is something that I really care about. This is something that's really important for for me. And that's why this, this is being brought into my body or into my thoughts at the moment. And then we can release them. Then we can yeah. say, I thank you for what you brought. I, I thank you for the information. I thank you for the data. And now I'm ready to move on or to move forward or i'm ready to sit a little bit longer with them and journal about it whatever you decide to do with it but it's so important that we process it rather than bypass it
0: yeah but i think also like what you said about they do pass right because i think sometimes we don't want to fully process things because it's a scary thing like we don't if we allow ourselves to sit with this how long is how long do we have to sit with it like does it ever go away the sadness or the or the anxiety, especially some people have been dealing with these sort of feelings for years. And um, do they pass? Do they ever really? Like, but forever?
2: (laughs) Uh. They do. So they do pass. They have, and I think they just go through shifts, right? So Mm. I think that when we are going through them, we feel that nothing has changed or nothing has shifted. Like, we're just in this constant state of sadness because we also direct our attention to just that right? So we're not focusing or directing our attention to other things that may be working. We're so stuck or we're so geared towards only seeing the sadness that we forget that there's joy in a lot of different areas, right? So yes, the sadness exists, but where am I finding joy or where am I finding peace or where am I finding ease? And when you redirect your attention to those times, you find yes. that there's a lot more joy. You find that there's a lot more things that are going well for you than you thought. But mm-hmm. our brains are, are kind of interesting in that way that they like to focus on the negative quite a lot. So it takes a lot of mm-hmm. effort to redirect and it takes a lot of time. Yeah, <laughs> it takes a lot of time to kind of shift it and nudge it towards a different direction. But, but it's there and it's accessible to us to, to do that, to shift the attention.
0: Yeah, yes. I love that. Focus. I exactly. We've been talking about this. Like, honestly, 2020 was like the year focus. Like, because it it is, it's like a practice and you have to like really force yourself because, I mean, do you think that sometimes our mind just likes to focus on the negative just because that's kind of like a safety net? Like, let me just focus on the worst case scenario so that I keep myself safe, right? Like, is that what we usually tend to do?
2: Yeah. So our brains are actually more susceptible to that negative information because negative information kept us alive right, right. so if you think back to our ancestors and we think about what we needed to learn in order to be safe right we needed to remember those really negative emotions so yeah. that it would keep you away from you know a saber-toothed tiger right. or um any of those things that really could have had a detrimental effect on your life you need to remember the negative in a very important way because it's what's going to keep you safe and it's what's going to keep you alive Mm -hmm. and so we have negative memories that are very they have a lot of meaning to us right so it's really easy to remember the argument that your partner And you kind of like pinpoint Mm -hmm. that and you say, I know exactly what happened and I know what it was, but it's really hard to remember a really positive engagement that you had during the day, Mm -hmm. right? Right. Like happy moments are great. We like them. You know, we like to experience them and we like to have them, but they just don't get remembered the same way in our brain. They just don't naturally. So the negative always overrules the positive from an evolutionary psychological perspective. And it's really interesting because um, Dr. John Gottman and his research along with other relationship researchers have found this ratio of, in terms of relationships and intimate relationships, it's that you need five positive interactions to offset one negative interaction, right? So if you have one negative interaction with your, you're gonna need to have five positive ones to neutralize not even to like get to a place where you're feeling great to just wow, neutralize and offset that negative
0: interaction that you have oh my gosh yeah. five to one I mean in a way I it feel like sense, when though. I'm going through my history I'm like yeah. totally it took five yeah <laughs> it makes sense
1: <laughs> so I love you know it's so funny because we, um, we talk about this all the time and you have a series on Instagram called uh, the yes and and I love those because they're so great And so one of them, oh my gosh, resonated with us so much because we were like, yes, we relate to this. You had written something to the effect of like yesterday I was dancing in my kitchen, singing happy. And today I'm on the couch crying with anxiety. And sometimes when we look at it, I'm, I'm like, am I going crazy? She's like, am I going crazy? I so we freak out. Is this normal? Just let us know if this is normal. I mean, it goes so from normal. one extreme to the yes. other. <laughs>
0: like you could be super, super happy. And then it's like, what? It's so weird. Yes.
2: So normal. And I think people go through exactly what you go through. Like what's wrong with me? Like, how can I shift from one thing to another? There must be some sort of imbalance, uh, going on with me or I'm totally you know dysregulated, or what's wrong with me and they're so complex we can totally go from one thing to another and I think that if anything that's what this year has taught us this ability to Mm -hmm. feel yes and yes I am feeling grateful and I'm also feeling very anxious and I'm also feeling very sad and depressed and I don't feel great right similarly with the dancing in the kitchen and then i'm crying because there's so much going on and instead of shaming ourselves for that and saying there must be something wrong with me or i'm such a mess because i think that's we we like to use that one i'm such a mess you know oh my god yeah giving ourselves that compassion and saying this is tough um trying to manage here i'm doing the best that i can giving the situations and it makes sense that i would go through these fluctuations and things right. that are happening the world is very unstable right now
1: yeah so i'm managing
2: and i'm doing the best i can
0: and i love yeah. that and i think it's like a testament to who you are i mean you're holistically grace right you know <laughs> and and i think sometimes it's it's um i mean even in our own history like we've seen you know just kind of people that that end up going the medical route to kind of Um, help them in all these feelings. And Mm -hmm. just, you know, hearing you speak, it really brings a lot of comfort because I think there's so much power in just simply understanding Mm -hmm. what is going on and the practicality and logical sense of things. Right. So like, Mm -hmm. you know, giving yourself that allowing yourself to feel the yes and right. So like, Mm -hmm. yes, I'm grateful that I am breathing right now, but and I am still upset about, you know, COVID canceling my plans. Right. Right. And just like that kind of natural, like when you're thinking about I'm breathing, I'm happy, I'm grateful. And then when you think about your canceled plans in that one second sentence, you feel two different types of emotions. And that's like the logical and practicality that I feel that you, you know, have been bringing through your content and just, you know, in your mission, I guess with holistically grace. So I think that that's great. That's really fantastic.
2: Thank you. Thank you. And I want to go back to the point that you made about medication and I want to make sure that people understand that I'm not anti-medication, right? I think that medication is a powerful component to therapy and to all the things that we do for our mental health. So I'm not against that. Um, Just saying that there's a lot more that we can be doing for ourselves in companionship or in addition to or um, before we decide to go down the medicine route. Again, there's so many things and everybody is different. Everybody needs different things and some people may need medication Mm -hmm. and some may be just fine kind of engaging in their bodies and doing the, the body work and the embodiment. So, making sure that we have space for all of it, holistically speaking, there's space for it all and you get to decide what works for you.
1: I love that. Maria, we want to thank you so much for your time today. I mean you I, I i it was like everything we expected just because i've like been we following you for so long but like on another level so we're oh, so grateful you. for your time thank you so much for sharing all of your value with us and with our community it truly means a lot to us and we're grateful thank you
2: thank you so much for having me it was so enjoyable and easy and i loved sharing what i had to share and you had some great questions as well i really appreciate it and all the thoughtfulness that went into them thank of
1: you of course Thank you for tuning in to today's episode. If you wanna learn more about Maria, follow her on Instagram at holisticallygrace and visit her website
0: holisticallygrace.com to learn more. Don't forget to leave us a review and subscribe so you never miss an episode. This helps us continue to bring you powerful conversations just like this to you every single week. And as always, we encourage you to continue on with the conversation. Always remember to keep being the strong, amazing woman that you are and never forget to live inspired. Until next time, always love Melissa and Stephanie Carcace.